nobody has a monopoly on innovation, right? So innovation is a probabilistic phenomenon, right? It can happen anywhere and it needs to be nurtured and, and you need to create an environment for it. The hard part, and especially with executives, really tends to be the hard part, including myself. Innovation is disruptive externally if things go well. You're listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. Conversations with industry leaders on new trends and products that can grow your business. Today, host Wetzel Meta, the VP of Business Enablement here at Meta, sits down with Lauri Tarkala, Chief Technology Officer at Smartly.io. Together, they discuss the impacts of AI in the field of technology and how advertisers can leverage these new tools. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us for our one more episode of the Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. I am really excited to introduce our guest today. His name is Lauri Tarkala. He is the Chief Technology Officer for Smartly.io. Lauri has an amazing journey. I have known him for more than 20 years, and he was one of the best Linux kernel engineer I have worked with. Lauri, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us more about your professional journey? Yeah, that takes me quite some time back. Yeah, so we met originally, I think, over 20 years ago at a, a small company called SSH, where I was indeed working on network processing kernel modules for Linux back in the day. And at that time, I was working in security, which is quite a far cry from what I am doing now. But uh, spent eight years or so total in, in security, worked a lot on networking, especially IPsec or VPNs, firewalls, etc., firmware, or like embedded system style. Then out of that started gravitating to the cloud and software as a service and platform as a service systems. And spent quite some time in big tech land working on, let's say, highly scalable REST APIs for a big part of that and related platforms. But now for two plus years, I've been indeed the CTO smartly and, and working on ad tech and learning this space and, and been quite a journey so far. I think I took the long way around before I ended up in an executive role. So I spent quite some time as an engineer and I think I'm still an engineer at heart when it comes to it. Very true. We're all once an engineer, always an engineer, right? Always tinkering, trying to do things and so on. Which leads me to this exciting topic of how do you guide your teams as a chief technology officer for such a cutting edge company that does so much innovation? What does a day in your life look like? Well, that is a good question. I've worked in a variety of verticals, right? I worked in a lot of embedded systems, be that for automotive or mobile or networking. And, and if you contrast that to ad tech, ad tech works at a very rapid clock cycle and, and it's quite volatile and may even dare say a bit vicious. It's really all about velocity and it's all about delivering reasonably fast at reasonable quality. So speed is really the only mode we have for a company like Smartly. So we really need to stay on the edge and companies such as Meta, you know, really push us to, to work faster. It's sometimes a bit hard to keep up with you guys. So we really have to gear, the whole system is basically built around velocity. And everything from how we laid out our infrastructure, how we kind of adapted our agile practices, you know, technologies we use, it's really all built around trying to build as fast as possible at a good quality SaaS platform for advertisers. That's maybe the best way I can say it, but you know, priority one is really velocity. So I basically, to try to give you the short exec summary, the 
three priorities we have in order is first is agility, second is velocity, and third is predictability. So I'll take all three if I can, but if I have to pick, I'll take them in that order. All right. Such an interesting way to trade off different priorities and everything that is getting thrown at us. And speaking about agility, velocity, and predictability, nowadays, hardly we can go five minutes into a workday before hearing generative AI. And generative AI is everywhere. How do you see practical applications of AI in the field of technology, specifically in the field of marketing? Oh boy, that's a really big question. And indeed, as you said, like it's hard to go too many hours in a day before reading about a new interesting development. So, of course, if I look at it from the smartly perspective, so, so we are a, a medium-sized company and uh, our priority is to build systems that help marketers optimize, orchestrate, automate their workflows, right? So we're not building foundational models ourselves. We, we are really a, a company that's really eagerly, I would say very eagerly looking at applying generative AI technology, right? So we have been working with our clients on various alphas and now moving to the beta stage in some cases on how we can apply this technologies, but we're really not looking to build the foundational models ourselves. So the, the way we start really from the customer workflow, what is the customer workflow that we need to orchestrate and what can we contribute to that by integrating or embedding more Gen AI into it. And then we look at what's available and, and we often start with what's just available via REST APIs or, right, you know, loose coupling type of integration. Then, then we have started fine-tuning models, you know, to get better results. And then we are working our way forward to what we hope will be production quality, generally available products. And we're really a customer-oriented company, right? So whatever our advertisers say they need or want, or our clients say they need or want, that, that's what we try to build. And so we do a lot of, you know, co-development with our customers. As we think about generative AI, all our clients and our listeners are all struggling with this. We are in the middle of a very, very big hype cycle around generative AI. And everybody thinks generative AI can do a lot more than is technologically feasible today. What kind of guidance can we give our listeners from a technical perspective on how to think about AI and where to invest in the field? Some of your thoughts are very refreshing here about looking at core competency that your company has and the market demand and so on. Would, would love to hear some of your thoughts there. I mean, Gen AI is really deep topic. So I think this depends really on the audience we, we speak to about what, how to approach it. But I would say the first advice would be to really engage in the topic and immerse yourself to the degree that one can. So if you're a technical person, you can probably learn the technology quite well. If you're like maybe not so technical, you can still learn, you know, the tools and the various applications of the technology. So I do think, and I'm sure you think as well, and, and a big part of our industry thinks this is really a big fulcrum moment that uh, will be the next enabler for taking us to, again, a higher abstraction level in the things we build. So it's for sure the first advice would be to really learn as much about the topic as you can and really try to embrace it. The second thing is, of course, that once you learn it, it is not a silver bullet, right? So it is a really a complex technology that can really produce awesome and incredible kind of results. That like with any machine learning system, it's hard to get it to be 99.999% .99 
correct all the time. So, so understanding the limitations of the technology is also important. So, so I would maybe start with those two pieces of advice. And then what you can do with it, I mean, like with software, the imagination is always the limit. And a lot depends on how much you can afford to invest and so forth. And what you can do yourself and what you can get off the shelf from somebody else. I would not look to, if you're not an expert in the topic, I would not at this stage recommend anybody to start building their own foundational models or even maybe fine tuning them. It might be better to just get a REST API or a service software as a service as a first step to kind of figure out how these technologies can fit into one's business. Thank you for that clarity, Lowry. I think our listeners and customers definitely are looking for direction here. Specific to AI and stepping out of the creative and the gen AI part a bit, how do you think about targeting and measurement and applications of AI to help with that specific initiatives? Good question. I think maybe I suspect you guys know more about that than I do. To be honest, the way we see this is that to some degree, maybe more of my personal opinion here than anything else. And I'm speaking a little bit as an outsider to the whole advertising industry still. So Smartly as a company has done very well serving performance marketers, as has Meta. And there were indeed companies who really indexed heavily on just the lower funnel, lower piece of the you know, marketing funnel. And now that's because targeting worked quite well. That to some degree has been diluted. Now, what seems to be one trend is that it's more about managing the funnel more holistically. You think about your strategy from how do you build consideration, awareness, engagement, acquisition, activation, etc., etc. Not necessarily in that order, obviously. And that's one part. So you need to create a more holistic view. The second part is that obviously you need to think how you've managed the audience data you need. And Meta has obviously launched some pretty cool products for advertisers. The Advantage Plus is something we're at least on the smartly side super excited about and has been doing really well for our clients. But it also needs some help and assistance, uh, especially in terms of how you can guide the AI in you know, recommending the right content or the right ad for the right user at the right time. That would be maybe my personal view is one that we see folks thinking about the funnel more holistically, but uh, with the one addition that it seems to kind of collapse to a degree. So it's all driven with a performance mindset, not necessarily that brand is over here and performance is over here, but rather you need to now guide the user into the conversion more, you know, maybe thoughtfully that before. And then your new technologies like say Advantage Plus is doing quite a lot of work. And in also lapping, I believe is the term somebody from Meta used in one stock release, some of the limitations related to on stemming out of signal loss. And that seems to be working quite nicely, but it does need, you know, data and data, the audience data, and perhaps other data as well to really work effectively. So, and that's what we of course try to help our advertisers uh, or clients with as well to make sure the we guide them to do the data integrations appropriately so basically they can get the benefits of this and how about on the measurement side measurement seems to be a, a quite controversial topic if i look at it now as a let's say a neutral party so speaking both to clients of ours who advertise and also speaking to meta for example and, and there's obviously differences in measurement 
the trend we see is that measurement is really going deeper into the business process of the clients. It's not as such, the conversion isn't maybe as simple as before. And also it might be a reflection on some of the economic constraints at the moment that not necessarily all traffic is considered good traffic and not necessarily all business is considered good business. Although the optimization starts to be more towards lifetime value and such. So just measuring, you know, clicks or such isn't maybe that important to clients as we see they want to really start optimizing towards building longer term business value. And that, of course, if you think about, okay, how does that then, you know, fit the world of a platform such as Meta, their view of measurement, when you also have maybe a limited view into the whole conversion process. And for some of our clients, the conversion process can be rather complicated and it can actually take quite some time, you know, imagine a sign up and other things and so forth. Well, it's certainly something everybody's struggling with. And so I appreciate the clarity at that it is complicated and we're all working to help make it better. How do advertisers continue to measure the impact of advertising in a tomorrow where privacy is paramount and is built into everything we do? Oh, I wish I knew the, the answer to that. Speaking really from a technical perspective of technical constraints. So for imagine the privacy regulation becomes more, let's say, Mm, clear, I guess, would be that, <laughs> and maybe also uh, a lot less forgiving. Then what has to happen is that kind of the whole process has to be built around actual customer engagement with the advertiser. So the advertisement as a distinct or totally discrete entity from the rest of the customer experience cannot work in such an environment because that's where if it's totally discrete, then the, the privacy regulation stops you from, you know, basically moving data across the interface. But then approaches which would make this a little bit more connected, you can think about concepts as a shoppable ads or other things that try to bridge that gap, right? You see like a lot of companies moving to chatbots in certain parts of the world, like Brazil, India. Right, which obviously also move to you know move that conversation to have an authenticated channel where you are dealing with actual identities. That of course suddenly makes everything very deterministic and very accurate. So, my personal assumption is that the way this will be tackled over the longer term is that the ad as a distinct and discrete unit, you know, versus the customer experience overall that interface will not be so, let's say, clear-cut anymore. Because if it is, it makes it really difficult to, well, measure anything, I guess, would be the little bit uh, silly way to say. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, measurement is something that we are thinking a lot about, especially when it comes to privacy-first mindset, which we all support. Incrementality, getting to what is incremental impact to the business when you run advertising at scale is certainly what many of our customers are working on or looking to innovate here. Any thoughts on how you are looking at some of these challenges into the future and what could be potential technology solutions? Really understanding incrementality is to some degree the holy grail of the whole industry, I guess. So if you can predict incrementality, you can invest very rationally. Currently, the 
what you see being done is mostly helping customers run various types of A-B tests or, you know, lift tests. And I think Meta has probably best-in-class uh, support for that over their APIs. So that's kind of nice. I would say it makes it easy to at least try to do something that's somewhat, you know, scientifically valid, not just pure hand wavy. So that is, I think, the current state. Where would we go from there? I mean, the only, always the problem is what's the baseline case and what's the comparison, right? So you need always the control set. The privacy is probably one challenge. I mean, there's a lot of technologies out there that are trying to also address some of the limitations using, you know, pseudonyms or multi-party compute or other things to try to mask the origin of the individual parameters, but still be able to trace, the, you know, the conclusion accurately without going into the details. And, you know, personally, I'm super, because of where you started the whole discussion on the background in cryptography and all of that, I'm personally uh, kind of uh, excited about multi-party compute and, and finally having an actual application for it in an industrial context after just, I don't know, how many decades after it was invented. I don't know if that's not alone enough, right? So we need to always have the control set. We need to run the tests. We need to have a base case. Then maybe applications of MPC could help. But uh, I would have to withhold judgment until I, I see it get some more traction. In the end, it's only going to work if everybody embraces the technology. So it will work in the lab, I'm quite sure. But uh, unless we get it, uh, you know, really broadly adopted, it, it will not move the needle. Very true. It is certainly an area where there is a lot of technology and scientific research going into privacy first measurement. As privacy and measurement both are somewhat on a collision course but they don't have to be. There are certainly ways to do private measurement. And of course, many companies, including ours, are breaking ground on those technologies. Thank you for this really great insights, Lowry. How do you think about fostering innovation on your teams as a technology leader and a technology executive? Most important principle needs to be that, especially in larger organizations, nobody has a monopoly on innovation, right? So innovation is a probabilistic phenomenon. It can happen anywhere and it needs to be nurtured and, and you need to create an environment for it. The hard part, and especially with executives, really tends to be the hard part, including myself. Innovation is disruptive externally if things go well. Before it can be disruptive externally, it is disruptive internally, right? Because it usually comes from the wrong place at the wrong time and it's not what you exactly expected or wanted. That, I, I think, if you want to, to have an innovative organization, you need to be a bit tolerant to some of the troublemakers and some of the more, let's say, open-minded thinkers are maybe sometimes pushing the envelope or trying things that, you know, maybe nobody else thought of trying, right? And maybe accept that internal disruption is the price or a certain amount of internal disruption has to be accepted to be able to be innovative. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So that's maybe how I would say that that's not really unique to AI at all, right? That's, I think, a more general principle. Really appreciate the time and your thoughts, Lowry. Thank you. Thank you. This was fun. We hope you enjoyed this episode and would like to thank Watzel and Lowry for sharing this valuable conversation with us. You can find links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you for listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast.